Welcome back to Mystery Kink. My name is Leonard. Hey, and I'm Chris. Chris, man. It's been what? It's been one week, right? It's not two weeks this time. Uh, two weeks. Oh, it has been two weeks. It's been two weeks. All right. Oh, yeah, because I was sick. Yeah, you were a sick boy. You, I got sick. We busted out an episode after I got better. Then you got sick immediately after. Yeah, it's funny how that works. But I did finish something while I was sick, which was my grab sack. Hell yeah. So, Chris, last episode, you know I loved it. It made me want to grab my sack. So I did. So I had to find something as interesting as a torso murder. And I think I found one. All right. Well, aside from throwing up and blasting your brains out through your nose, what else have you been doing? Um, Playing some games. All right. That Diablo 4 beta, huh? Yo, man. I was like, I almost wanted to call off work for it, dude. I'm just like, man, I really want to play this beta more. You should have. I mean, it comes back tomorrow. Yeah, it comes back tomorrow. Um, I, Last time I did that, they said like nine in the morning. Yeah, I'll be there for it. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's, it's going to be there at nine in the morning again. I'll have like a couple hours to play before I have to go to bed. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, got, I bought that D4. You put me in the FOMO state. So I was like, I got to get I got to get on this beta. Tell you, man, I think you're going to like it, especially the barbarian changes. I like the barbarian changes, but I haven't checked out any of the other classes changes just yet. Oh, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Finished a couple books. Nothing too crazy. I showed my uh, my youngest son, uh, my six year old, which is probably a bad choice. Insidious. Hmm. Insidious wasn't too, too bad. Uh, it was pretty. I mean, for a six year old, it might have been a bit too much. Because he kept complaining. He was like, I want to watch a scary movie. I want to watch a scary movie. And I called his bluff last time, but then I chickened out. I was like, I don't know. This is, seems like a bad parent move. <laughs> and then uh, I told my wife, okay, we're sitting down and we're watching a scary movie, right? And we were trying to watch The Curse of La Llorona because that one's not super scary and it's got kids in it. So I was like, oh, you know, it's not too too bad. But it wouldn't play for some reason. So I was like, bucket. We're going to go watch some Insidious. So we're sitting there and there's a couple little jump scares here and there, nothing too wild. But when that demon behind the dude's uh, head pops up, yeah, I swear to Jesus, my child hopped up and took off running, yelling, "This is too scary!" Really? He went from <laughs> he went from laying straight ass, like laying on the ground, to up and running. I was like, "I gotta put you on football, kid." That was good. But this fool was gone. I had to run and grab him and sit him down and be like, "Look, it's not that scary." He loses in the end, but you have to sit down and watch it to the end to see him lose. And he sat down and watched the rest of it, but there was a couple more like screams and scares from him. It was pretty, I don't know if it was a good parent moment, but it was a fun parent moment, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were laughing your ass off, man. Oh, I was. Uh, like He wants to watch another one, though. He didn't turn him off. He's like, oh, I want to watch another one now. I'm like, hell yeah. You know, it's pretty funny. So my dad, when we were younger, uh, my, my sisters and me, uh, they um, we would always watch scary movies, and then we're getting tired of the always the regular scary movies that we're watching, and we're saying like we want a real scary one. So that's when my dad was just like, "All right." And this is back in like VHS days, so we went down in Bloomington by the store, you know that video store right next to well, it used to be a video store right next to that Stater Brothers. Yeah, that that um, like mom and pop one, not the actual. It wasn't like a Hollywood video. It was just like a star rental or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, it was like a hole in a wall place. Best place that like, we always went there. And uh, so my dad, we went there and he picked up, of course, The Exorcist. And then I was Hell nine yeah. years old when I was, I was watching that or like 10. I was like super young. So it was my sisters. And then, yeah, you know, we didn't really complain about uh, not seeing another scary movie after that. I think that got us when we we're younger. Yeah, dude, I was like 10 or 12 when I saw The Exorcist. Or I was nine. I apologize. I was nine. But my mom swears that I was like 10 or 11 or 12. And I was like, nope, I remember. 
it was after my ninth birthday. I don't know what we were doing, but we were watching that. She's like, no, you did. And I went to show you something like you're out of your mind. Yeah, you did. I saw it at nine. <laughs> but that that store was dope. That video rental store, dude. I used to get Sega games from there for rent. That's how yeah. that's how old I am. Yeah, dude, I used to I remember still getting like N64 games for rent there. Yeah, like, dude, that game was so I mean, yeah. that game that, that place was so badass, man. Good old times. What was that game? The one where you you were Bloody Roar. That was the game where you started off as a human and then like you built up combos and eventually you turned into like a dinosaur animal person. I've never played that. Dude, it's such a niche. I got it for the I rented it for the PlayStation one from there. I remember it being like one of my first like fighting games. I was like, hell yeah. Like you start off as like a human and you slowly devolve into an animal. That's pretty funny. All right. So you got a murder episode for us today. Heck yeah. Let's go. Let's hear it. Go ahead and get us started, Len Diesler. Today we're talking about John George Haig. Do you know who he is? No, sir. I'm glad I didn't pick one that you didn't you didn't have already written down. So he had six to nine victims. What makes him interesting is what he used. After he murdered somebody, John Haig was born in Stanford, Lincolnshire, and raised in the village of Outwood, West Riding of Yorkshire. His parents were engineer John Robert Haig and his wife, Emily, members of the Plymouth Brethren, a conservative Protestant. The Plymouth Brethren was has around like 50,000 members in their, I'm calling it a covenant. Some facts about the Plymouth Brethren, they don't use computers in their personal lives. They don't even own a TV. They don't even listen to the radio or even own a pet. They don't even go to college, stand for any political office, or even vote for any elections. Oh, so this is a cult. This is a cult, not a covenant. Well, I thought like covenant was just like a people that agreed to do one thing. That's a form of a covenant, but this sounds like a cult. They're not allowed to have pets. They're not allowed to have political affiliation. Sounds like pretty a cult. much. You know what? They might be. Um, and you know what? So you can basically pretty much say that, you know, they're very sheltered people. Yeah. Even though John Haig killed six people, which would have been confirmed, and three others he admitted to killing, he was a book smart kid. He won several scholarships throughout his academic life. He actually won a scholarship to Queen Elizabeth's Grammar School in Wakefield. He was even a choir boy, which is kind of weird because, you know, since he was his parents of the Plymouth Brethren, you know, they don't even do that. They don't even do entertainment. You know what I mean? Really supposed to sing. But he did. And he actually even learned how to play the piano very well and was actually was able to attend classical musics, uh, which he actually loved. So, you know what? So far, even though he seemed like he might be a sheltered child, he had a lot of things going for for this kid. Very smart guy, it sounds like. Yeah, it is. After school, he worked as an apprentice to a firm of mortar engineering. After a year, he left that job and took other jobs in the insurance and advertising. At age 21, he was dismissed after being suspected of stealing from a cash box. Everything came crashing down when John, at 25 years of age, got arrested and jailed for fraud. And only just months after marrying 23-year-old Beatrice Hammer, a.k.a. Betty, after being sent to jail, Haig wife Betty gave birth while he was in prison. She placed a baby girl up for adoption and left Haig. And of course, when the Plymouth Brethren heard about this, they excommunicated him. After serving two years for his sentence, Haig got out of prison, moved to London, and got a job as a chauffeur to a wealthy owner of an amusement park, amusement arcade named William McSwan. And not only did he work for McSwan, he maintained all of his machines. McSwan didn't know about Haig's past, obviously. After Haig moved to London, 
He just pretended to be like somebody else. A solicitor named William Cato Adamson, who owned offices in Chancery Lane, London, Guildford, Surrey, and Hastings, Sussex. Under the new alias, Haig sold fraudulent stock shares of his quote-unquote deceased clients below market rate. But he finally got caught again for fraud when someone noticed he misspelled Guilford on a legal document. Haig received four years in prison for this fraud. So he's smart kid, but he also not too smart since he doesn't really know how to do fraud very well. He got caught now twice for doing this. That's crazy that he's into classic music. In cl- yeah, that's crazy that he's into classical music. He got you know scholarships to the queen's school of like being too smart and he's over here making stupid mistakes and doing stupid crimes pretty much that's what it really seems like it's like he just seems like he had a good thing going and then you know decided to do fraud for some damn reason and then gets caught then after that his whole life just seems to keep going down and he can't seem to fix it it seems like hey had lots of time to think about his crimes so in prison he finally figured out a way to continue to bring a fraudster without getting caught in his mind, he only got caught because somebody ratted on him. Haig did some experimenting. He became intrigued by a French murderer named George Alexandre Sarlet. Do you know who that is? No. Nah. He disposed people's bodies using sulfuric acid. Using sulfuric acid? Yep. That's yeah. what this one guy did. Turning people to jelly. Pretty much. Haig used this acid on field mice. I found out that it took about 30 minutes to dissolve a full body, and somehow Haig was able to calculate how much sulfilic acid he would need for a fully grown man from experimenting on these mice. Where do these people get sulfuric acid? Like, who's like, how do you go to the store and just like, like dead ass be like, yo, can I get some sulfuric acid? Like, what kind of stores you got to go to to get that shit? I, that's, that's a good question. How I'm Googling it. How Hold on. This is, the, <laughs> news, this is a new section to the show, the Google section. How hard is it to obtain sulfuric acid? Dude, the FBI is going to look at my search history of the different episode stuff I've looked up and now buy sulfuric acid. They're going to see like a manifest. And they're going to be keeping tab- more tabs on you now. My search history looks like a manifesto for like a, like a serial killer. <laughs> it's actually pretty easy to buy. You just go, I could buy... <laughs> I could buy 16 ounces right now on Amazon for 20 bucks. Hmm. What did they do before Amazon? <laughs> uh, we used to go to the mall. I forgot about the sulfuric acid store at the mall. <laughs> I don't think they even... See, they, they, we can't even get sulfuric acid at the mall. This is why the mall fell. <laughs> Not enough sociopaths in the mall, I guess. Four years later, free from prison, after World War II was starting, Haig took a job at an engineering firm in the accounting department. Soon after, he ran to his old friend, William McSwain. McSwain told him about his venture becoming a landlord and collecting rent from all the tenants who stayed in his multi-unit properties. Hay became jealous of McSwain. Even though Hay made pretty good money himself at the engineering firm, he was jealous of his lavish lifestyle and little effort he seemed to put into it. A few months passed and Hay bumped into McSwain again, still jealous as ever, Haig talked McSwain to meet him at his warehouse at Eom, and he lured McSwain into the basement. When McSwain followed him, Haig hit him over in the head. And now with his newfound knowledge of being able to dispose of the body, Haig put McSwain's body in a 
40-gallon drum and filled it with concentrated sulfuric acid. Two days later, Haig opened up the barrel and McSwain was nothing more than 100 or so pounds of sludge, which Haig poured down a manhole, which was located in his warehouse in Glowchester. That's crazy, dude. That's why I made the jelly joke, because you, you don't fully dissolve. You just because it's not like you disappear. Your matter doesn't get destroyed. It gets changed into a new form. You have to get rid of it. Yeah, pretty much. And you just pour that shit down the sink. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, you know, like these warehouses have manholes. See, I, I didn't even know what a manhole was. I actually had to look it up. But apparently, you know, it's just like a little hole. You put all this, you put cover. anything down it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a sewer. Well, yeah, but like I didn't know they used to have it in like warehouses. Like we didn't, you know, we don't have those like, you know, here, do we? Yeah, but you don't, at the, at the post office, you don't have no liquid you're dealing with. Not supposed to have liquid you're dealing with. Like places <laughs> that do have it, like uh, I did security for the uh, Lunchable warehouse out in Fullerton. Yeah. And every single room that had like meat processing or like some kind of liquid, they have like man, well, not manholes, but they're graded now. I think manholes is an older, outdated term for them. Mm. But there's like these grates where they just go lead straight into the sewer on a bad hot day. It smell like straight butt. Oh, I would probably, I would, I would assume. You know what I mean? And what's crazy is they had a room for uh, ham that went bad from the Lunchables, and they turned green and furry. Boom! Yeah, dude, it looked it looked like green furry hockey pucks in a just like all over the place. <laughs> hockey puck? Yeah, dude, they're gross, Brody. Right in the high of his successful murder, Haig took over McSwain's landlord duties, telling McSwain's family he had ran away to avoid being drafted to the war. Yeah. Eventually, when the elders McSwain's became suspicious as her son had not returned home even after the draft was over, John George Haig killed them as well. Ten months after dissolving William McSwain in sulfilic acid, McSwain's family, Donald and Amy, was never found. Their cause of their death only says like they got hit over a head with a heavy object. So they were bludgeoned. Yeah, exactly. But they couldn't even find uh even like the leftover sludge oh you wouldn't find it it would if you pour that into the sewer it mixes into the sewer sludge you would have to test every it just it's gone like if you sulfuric acid someone you get away with it but i mean if you buy a ton of it you do get put on a watch list mm. same with like fertilizer if you buy like if you're a resident and you buy an abnormal amount of fertilizer uh they'll put you on a watch list because that's how the Oklahoma city bomber blew up half the, uh, uh, Oklahoma city, uh, office. I forget what office it was. Holy shit. It was just a huge truck filled with fertilizer because it's got a lot of, um, nit nit nitrates in it. I think it was called. Yeah. So it could be flammable, flammable and explosive in high quantity. Yeah. Yeah, well, damn, never knew that. Holy shit. Mystery King coming out with some facts today, man. Some morbid, disgusting facts, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we taught you where to buy sulfuric acid, so please don't <laughs> do anything stupid. <laughs> Bless Amazon. Oh, and it says in here that they didn't even know if Haig even put William's parents in the drum as well. They just couldn't find literally anything at all. So, like... We don't even know what happened to his parents. You spray that bad boy down, gone. Haig left with their money and properties. He moved to Onslow Court Hotel in Kingston. However, the, the roughly $10,000 he stolen didn't last long. 
and he shortly developed a gambling problem. Dude, 10 G's in 45, right? Or is it like 43? So it's between like 1939 and 1945 or 44. So it's probably it's probably 39.40. So $10,000 in 1940 money? That's a lot of money. It's probably about like 60k or something then, right? Yeah, that was the equivalent of like two hundred thousand dollars, dude. Oh shit, that was even higher. Okay, homeboy, yeah. homeboy, homeboy. That's a lot of. That's a house load of money. That's like for us poor folks. That's an amazing amount of money. <laughs> yeah, two hundred k. This fool is just this fool just casually whittled away ten g's. Like like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like brother, what is you doing? <laughs> so he running out of cash quicker than he expected. Hell yeah. <laughs> so Hank was forced to find another wealthy couple to kill and rob. Hank made up a lie and said he was interested in buying a house that was for sale. He met the owners of the house, owned by Dr. Archibald, and his wife, Roselli. Hank shot them both in the head and dissolved their bodies as well with sulfuric acid. I took the human waste to the same warehouse to explode up the evidence inside the manhole. Hank thought it would be a good idea to rent a larger warehouse on Leopold Road so he had more sprays for his drums and acid concoctions. Here, he would kill and dissolve his final victim on record because there's three, there's three murders that he confessed to, but obviously nobody knows. There's absolutely nothing. They know about, of course, McSwain's parents, but they don't know anything about this. the three people he, he admitted to later on. Olive Duran Deacon was a wealthy widow who lived on the Onslow Court Hotel with Haig. Olive thought herself as something as an inventor, and upon finding out that Haig worked for an engineering firm, asked if she could talk to him about an idea she had for artificial fingernails. Haig took the opportunity to lure inside the warehouse and, of course, murder her there. Olive Duran's deacon was the body that investigators discovered outside Leopold's r- road warehouse. You see, unlike Haig's previous supposal grounds, the Leopold Road warehouse had no floor drain and no manhole access. Unable to pour the sludge quietly into the sewers, Haig has been forced to dump it in the pile of rubble behind the warehouse, where it was easily uncovered by investigators. Jeez. Upon the discovery of Olive Duran Deacon's body, Haig was arrested and charged for murder. Now known in a popular media as the Acid Bath Murderer, he pled insanity and claimed that drinking the blood of his victims had driven him mad, though there was no evidence that he had in fact consumed any type of human blood. Yeah, that's the problem with the serial killers and murderers is that you can't take their word straight up. Because there's, like he said, like they, like you said, there's absolutely no proof that he drank the blood of anybody, but you can't rule it out either, which is weird. Yeah. Because you just can't trust these guys. It's like, it's why documentaries that like to put a lot of stock into uh, crazy people, like in what they say or what their stories are, they don't like take it at like a suspect like idea. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, that sounds right. Like Eileen Warnos. I don't know if you know who she is. She's the girl from Florida, like serial killer lady from Florida. I do not. Uh, super famous serial killer from Florida killed cop, killed a cop and like five or six other dudes. And her story would constantly change. Of like, she did it out of tr- trying to protect herself from being 
um, raped. She did it out of you know anger because these men were pigs and deserved to die. She did it because she was with the devil. Like she changed her story several times, and a lot of documentaries just let her make herself look like you know a, like a goof, even though she's like super mentally ill. That's the problem is like a lot of these mentally ill people, you don't know, like a lot of things that Ted Bundy said or John Wayne Gacy said, you can't really take it at face value. No, you can't because they probably don't even know what the hell they're even saying, to be honest. There's a good chance that a lot of them do know what the hell they're saying. They're just, you know, dicks trying to make it look worse than it or less worse than it is. True. Here's one thing I don't get before I continue here. Mm hmm. Why didn't Haig just drive the drum to the different warehouse? He got comfortable, dude. That's how serial killers get caught. They get super comfortable doing the dumb shit they're doing. And then there's like, there's no way I could absolutely ever get caught. So they go and get sloppy. That's, I mean, that's the, it sucks to say it like that, but that's really what it is, is that they get super comfortable doing terrible shit. They've done it so many times they haven't got caught. Because, I mean, he did six, right? And on the sixth one, he got sloppy and got caught. Pretty much. Well, there you go. You know, he's just, he thought he was the, you know, creme of the crop. And uh, he wasn't because he slipped up and got caught. But honestly, it's all just getting lazy on him. Pretty much. If this man wasn't lazy, he probably could have done more. And also, like, we know how bad, uh, <laughs> how bad police work was in during those times. Oh, yeah. After hearing his insanity defense, one of the arresting officers mentioned to the prosecutors that Haig had asked him what are the chances were of him being released to a psychiatric hospital versus prison? The jury took only minutes to return. Guilty verdict on Haig. Sentenced him to death. On August 10th, 1949, John George Haig was executed for his crimes. Jeez Louise, dude. So many guilty people get free. And then every now and then you get like a you like get the right one. You know what I mean? I was going to say, did this guy get put to death or was he in prison forever? No, he was executed. Oh, just like Epstein. Yeah, but I guess this one actually <laughs> died. This one actually died. You know what I mean? This one died and the and the judge admitted to killing him. Not in the other way where they <laughs> some man mysteriously hangs himself all of a sudden. See, here, here's what I don't get. Like, so this is it's a story. It's how, this is how you kind of know this guy is kind of kind of insane. Because he was a very smart guy, you know. Mm -hmm. This is why I put like his story in the beginning of it because he, he even knew after. Oh, hey, I kept getting caught. All right, so he had the manhole. He knew this warehouse did not have access to a manhole. So why, why dump it in the back? You know you're gonna get caught. You got caught two other times before for this shit. I mean, you got caught for fraud, but I, I mean. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's like, I'm not saying like, oh, hey, he should have done this so he could, you know, keep killing people. I'm not saying anything like that. But if you're going to go this deep, you can't slip up like that. That's like going back to square one. He went all the way to Z and then put himself back at A. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty smart because like, all right, it, I'm not saying you're going to hurt no one, Lindy That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you were to do something stupid like that, right? Would you have known right off the top of your head that you could get some sulfuric acid and turn them into jelly? No. This cat figured it out. You know, that means he has some kind of level of intelligence and awareness. Yeah. And then he goes and does something dumb, like how you said. He goes and just pours it in the back alley where there's no manhole cover and he's going to get caught. Like, it just shows that 
he thought he was too smart for his own good. He's like, he thought he was a genius. Like he was a smart guy because he knew how to do some dastardly devious shit, but he dropped the ball because he got comfortable. That's all it takes is one person getting comfortable and they, you know, screw up. See, you know, I wonder if that's like a meaning of life. Um, not like in a murder sense, but just like, you know how like when you get finally too comfortable, even in life and where the situation or the situation where you're at, it somehow just screws up and you're just like, whoa, what the hell happened? Probably because you always have to keep moving and you always got to keep trying something new. And he just got too lazy with it. Like you've been yeah, you saying. Definitely always try something new as long as it's not like sticking people in sulfuric acid. <laughs> and um, I just, you know, I just can't believe it. It's just this kid would actually had some intelligence. And that's just that he had he had like a nice little background. I wonder if the Plymouth brethren, all that, I just wonder if that screwed him over. That means like his family shunned him. His community shunned him. Holtz will screw up kids, dude. Um, I don't know. You know who Joaquin Phoenix is, right? That sounds familiar, actually. He's an actor. He played the Joker recently. Um, Not the the singer, but the like the sad, like depressed Joker movie. Um, He he his family was in a cult when he was a kid. His older brother, I think it's his older brother named River Phoenix killed himself because of how bad the cult life was. And Joaquin Phoenix is a weird dude, like ultimately weird dude. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that about him. Cult, he was in a cult. Cults and young kids, like mess kids up. There's a really good documentary on Netflix about people who survived a Mormon cult and escaped because Mormonism is a cult. And I'll say it again. We know your history with that, Chris. Oh, yeah. But it's all good. We're, we're Gucci over here. We're gravy. Yeah. But you know what? That ends Lenny's Grab Sack episode of John George Haig, a.k.a. the Acid Bath Murder Man. Hell yeah. So it, it makes me it makes me wonder uh, about the idea he got it from. Because, of course, like uh, I mentioned earlier, he, he gets it from an actual guy who did it first. You know, he they, like, you know, uh, uh, Haig wasn't the first guy. Yeah, to, he read it in the news, right, is what you said? Uh, he, um... Yeah, something like that. It was, I don't know if it was actually from uh, a book. It just says that he, it probably could be from the TV. I'm pretty sure they had TV, you know, in prison back then too, obviously. And that's how we uh, learned about, uh, I think his name was Alex. I actually can't find it in the notes right now. Um, That's fine. Uh, Yeah. And this guy, this guy remembered and used it actively correctly. Like he was a smart kid. But it doesn't matter how smart you are. Like your IQ doesn't matter if you have no morals or no um, no integrity behind that smart. Because the smartest people do the worst shit, dude. Like look look at the atom bomb that comes from the smartest people in the world. Look at the you know fake True. weather balloons that are actually <laughs> UFOs getting shot down. I mean, look at all this shit. You know what I mean? Like I think it's from Jurassic Park because that's one of my favorite movies. I'm just uh, I actually am pretty intrigued that like. How the how the hell would he know by just experimenting on mice that he could dissolve a human body and knowing how much he would actually need? Well, that's that's how they they test prosthetics. They actually build tiny prosthetics for mice and then proceed to chop the mice's legs off and then attach these new prosthetics. Or they study how drugs affect brains and bodies and cancers through mice. Um, mm. So that's the place you go to. You know what I mean? And it's like it's like. 
I was saying earlier, like Jurassic Park 3, Dr. Grant says, uh, people with the best intentions, some of the worst in things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if you, you know, if you're incredibly smart or what have you, if you don't have good intentions and good morality to combat good intentions. Because, like, when those scientists built the atom bomb, they weren't, they were building it to stop a war. They weren't thinking about what was best for the people they were dropping it on. True. So it does, like, I'm, you're, you're smart in your own way. I'm smart in my own way. But we also know that we have to respect and take care of people. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how smart you are. All that matters is the content of your character. Pretty much. But just damn, man. I'm like, man, I hope you I hope you liked that. So, man, like I, li- I liked the torso murder. It got I got me in it got me into wanting to do another murder. And when ha- we haven't done Lenny Grabsack in a bit. So I'm like, I'm glad I got it done. That's a good one back. I do want to apologize for my voice. I'm still kind of sick, but I, uh, we we had to get another episode out. We don't we don't want to yeah. try and do it every week still. You know, we're not we don't like taking these a, a week break off. But, you know, sometimes you just got to do what we got to do. Yeah, life gets in the way. You know, I've been picking up at work. I've been doing a ton of union stuff. You've been doing a bunch of pickup at work. It just, you know, sometimes you can't put out an episode every week. Twice a week or twice a month is cool. Four times a month is the goal. But twice a week is like the standard for us. Yep. And I'm my work's going to pick up soon, too, once uh, my supervisor thing's coming in. So, you know. Well, supervisors don't do nothing. It's not going to pick up. <laughs> Uh, but you know what, Chris, you actually want to lead it off? Yeah, but uh, hey, if you want to find more, because I'm used to doing it myself. If you want to find us, you can find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the TikToks at Mystery Kink. You can find us on Telegram at the Mystery Kink Broadcast Network. Lenny and I are, are super active in there because honestly, Telegram is the best messaging app there is. Where can they find us, Lenny? And you can also hit us up on Twitter, at Kink Mystery. You can also DM us on there. And yes, please hit us up on the Telegram. It's the only place that we could be very uncut. Oh, and we leave our Telegram open. You know, if you want to come in and message us on Telegram, you're more than welcome to. We're not going to hide behind an alias. Nope. You, you'll see us right there. You can even DM us on Telegram, too, if you want. Hell yeah. And if you have a suggestion, correction, or you just want to tell us we're awesome or we suck or, hey, quit already, you can do that by emailing us at mrkink2021 at gmail.com. Or you can message us everywhere else. Like Len Deasley said, slide into those DMs and give us some stories, guys. And don't forget, your mystery is our kink. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.